Hi friends, it's Pastor Drew Wilkerson from Bridgewater Church. Hey, thanks for stopping by this podcast. It's our prayer that as you listen, God will speak to your heart and you will feel inspired and you'll learn new things that will help you in your daily walk with God and just in life in general. So again, thanks for stopping by and thanks for listening. Good morning, BWC family. It is wonderful to be with you on this spring Sunday or whenever you have the time to connect with us. And I am just uh, ready and excited to be able to share with you in our last message in, in what has become, I think, a great series called Without a Doubt. Now, we've been looking at the definition of doubt, and I want to do it one more time, if that's all right with you. The word doubt is defined as a feeling of uncertainty, to hesitate to believe, to feel uncertain about doing something, and to distrust. It's a noun and a verb, or it can be. And when we think about our doubts, my prayer for you has been that you would begin to realize everyone has them. Everyone struggles with doubt. Everyone actually, and, and we've been talking about this, we need doubt to actually open new doors of belief, faith, and confidence. And uh, I always love when uh, doubt that we often see as a negative becomes a positive that it actually helps us build on a foundation of uh, achievement, success, or faith. In fact, I had that just a couple of weeks ago. I was able to cross off my bucket list going to an Eagles concert. Now, some of you will know who the Eagles are. They've been around, believe it or not, for 50 years. Uh, this year, actually. But I always had them on my my to-do list, my bucket list to check off, and I was able to go with Kay to Columbus, and uh, it was wonderful. But you know, I got to the point where, as the price of the tickets rose, I thought, I thought it's never going to happen. I doubt it's ever going to happen. But we finally went, we had phenomenal seats, and my doubt turned into belief. In fact, I honestly can't tell you why, but I doubted I would ever see this group that I loved, but I knew that one of these nights, I would eventually have a peaceful, easy feeling, and in the long run, I was able to take it easy. I did that pretty good, didn't I? Well, listen, what doubts and struggles are you having right now? What are you going through that you think that God really does not understand? I need today, in this last message, to try to give us a larger understanding of the big picture. Because Jesus Christ definitely, as we have seen through the last few weeks, he's God, he is the Messiah, the Christ, he's been resurrected, Jesus is alive. But if we were to really dig deep, which we're going to do today, 
we begin to realize that Jesus is coming again. But that's really our question. Do you believe Jesus is coming again? Without a doubt. Because when we can really wrap our minds around this and believe that Jesus will come again, it puts everything into perspective about this earthly life that we live. We're not created just to live here on earth. But if we put our faith in Jesus Christ as God, as Messiah, as the resurrected King, then we are created and we will someday experience eternity. But not just that. Someday Jesus will return and every single one of us will find that we are in the presence of God. But do you believe it? Without a doubt, do you believe that Jesus is coming again? I want to do something maybe a little unique. These, these are some incredible scriptures that we can dig into. In fact, I was doing some um, uh, actual research on this, and I know a lot of people are skeptical about God and about Christ's return, but I believe that Jesus will return, and one of the reasons is because in the 260 chapters of the New Testament, Jesus' return is mentioned 318 times. So I, I want to frame this for us. I want to talk about what Jesus said. I want to talk about what his followers believed. And then I want to talk about a future prophecy, so that in just the next few minutes, we ourselves can decide and believe that Jesus Christ is coming again. So let's begin in Matthew chapter 24, verses 29 through 31 with Jesus' own words. Immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. Then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then all the peoples of the earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the heavens to the other. Now this is Jesus speaking. And Jesus is talking about the Son of Man, which is the title he used for himself on most occasions during his earthly ministry. And the very first incredible moment that we can absorb is the fact that Jesus said it. He is coming again. But he did that by describing in this passage of Scripture three specific signs that we can look for and prepare for when his return will actually take place. So, what's the first sign? The first sign in verse 29 is the fact that Jesus said a time will come when there is great distress or tribulation. I want to be careful with this because 
I'm not here to try and hammer out all aspects of eschatology, which is the theology of end times. And there are those of you that have never heard of this distress or tribulation. There are those of you that have different ideas about how it will happen and when it will happen. But I want you to focus with me for just a moment on what Jesus said. Jesus said, and scholars mostly agree, that the sign of the times, this first sign of Jesus coming, will be marked with famine, wars, rumors of wars, persecution, and especially hatred of the followers of Christ. Now let's just stop. We see that in the news now. The Ukraine's at war. Other countries are warring against each other. I just read in the news this morning about how there's a Supreme Court case where a football coach was told that he couldn't even bow his head in silent prayer after a game. And that's now at our Supreme Court. If you look around more than ever, we see the signs that Jesus predicted. Some will say that the great distress has already begun. But Jesus also indicates that this distress, this difficulty, this tribulation will be so great that at some point God will have to intervene because if not, we wouldn't be able to stand up under it. Now, in Matthew 25, 13, I think Jesus helps us to hone in on what is the most important aspect of this distress and tribulation. Jesus said, therefore keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. In this first sign, Jesus is telling us this, not here's all the details of the end of time and all that will take place so that you can check it off on the calendar and know tomorrow's the day. That's not what he's saying at all. Jesus is saying this, look, if you realize that there are rumors of wars and there are wars and famine and difficulties and distress and people who follow Jesus and have faith in Christ are being persecuted or martyred, then just know, now more than any other time, we don't know the day and the hour, but we have to be prepared. Be prepared and be ready. I like what Pastor Chuck Swindoll writes. He says, critics have denied it, cynics have laughed at it, scholars have ignored it, liberal theologians have explained it away, they call that rethinking it, and fanatics have caused many to shrug it off. Where is the promise of his coming? Many cynics will shout. The return of our Savior will continue to be attacked and ignored and denied. But there it stands, solid as a stone, soon to be fulfilled, offering us hope and encouragement admits despair and unbelief. This very first sign is clear. There will be distress and tribulation. But Jesus said it. He's coming again. Here's the next sign. Jesus said, we will literally all, all of us, know, I have no idea how it's going to happen, but we will all see 
Jesus coming. Somehow, some way, everyone will see and know that Jesus is returning to earth. There's an interesting Greek word, uh, and it's pronounced parousia. And the parousia describes the coming or the arrival of Christ's return when the judgment of Christ will begin. In Matthew chapter 24, 26 through 27, Jesus said, So if anyone tells you, there he is, out in the wilderness, do not go out. Or, here he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. Now listen to this, church. For as lightning that comes from the east is visible even in the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Kay and I had a wonderful opportunity to go to South Dakota several years ago and uh, partner with Native Americans in ministry. And it was a wonderful trip. But if you've ever been to South Dakota, you know that when we talk about the plains, they're huge. They're wide. The expanse is incredible. One night, as we were driving back, it was starting to prepare for a storm. It was just getting dark. And then the lightning began to roll. It was miles and miles and miles away. But when the lightning hit across the sky, everyone could see it. It gave me a little bit of an eerie feeling, you know. And when I read this passage of Scripture, I realize like watching lightning on the plains, we will see Jesus come again. And I want you to actually keep thinking about seeing Jesus, but let's transition to this third sign because another piece is added to the puzzle. Matthew 25, 31 through 32, Jesus went on to say, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. When Christ returns, there is no doubt that he will come in his glory and the angels will come with him. And if we put this together, the signal of it all will be the trumpet sound. This is the third sign when Christ returns in his glory, he'll sit on his throne, then all the nations before him will gather together and Jesus will begin the judgment of separating sheep from the goats. I don't want you to get too sensational or overwhelmed by what we're saying. What's important to understand is this, is that Jesus said it. He's coming again. And he said, here are three signs. There will be distress and tribulation. We will all see him and he will gather us together. Why? Because the judgment will begin. 
and he'll separate sheep from goats, those who believe and those who do not. But then there's this trumpet blast, this sound that comes. And the only thing that really I can equate it to, so many times when I have done a funeral and there is a memorial piece with veterans, at the end of what is said by the veteran representative and the presentation of the flag to loved ones, there's usually a 21-gun salute. Then you hear taps. It wasn't long ago that I was at a funeral when that happened, and the minute that the trumpet began to sound, this message of taps, then every person became silent. There wasn't a dry I in the house. And I want you to know, if that's how it is when taps are played, what will it be like when the trumpet sounds and Jesus returns? Without a doubt, we can believe it because if Jesus said he was resurrected and people could see it and Jesus would know it, we would experience that. Then why would it not be true that Jesus is coming again. But let's, let's just dig further into these scriptures. I want to give you this next insight. Jesus' followers said it, he's coming again. Jesus said it, he's coming again, but Jesus' followers said he's coming again. I want to divide this into two groups. I want to divide this into uh, direct eyewitnesses, and then I want to divide it into a group I call indirect believers, okay? If we think about direct eyewitnesses, Jesus entrusted the leadership of the church to Peter. Once Jesus died, rose again, and ascended to heaven, Peter would become the rock, and on this rock, Jesus would begin to establish the New Testament church, which he did. But I got to asking myself, did Peter really believe it? After all he had seen, absence at times does not make the heart grow fonder. And so the longer that it took Peter away from those first moments, those three years that he, he lived and walked and did ministry with Jesus, the longer that he lived, was it more difficult to believe? But then I turned over to 2 Peter chapter 3, Verses 8 through 13. Now hang on, this is a little bit longer, but what did Peter say as an eyewitness to Jesus' ministry and resurrection? He wrote, But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? Peter writes, you ought to live a holy and godly lives 
as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. The day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in that heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness will dwell. Okay. I hear it in Peter's voice, don't you? I, I see it in the writing. There must have been some people who said, Hey, Pete, we know you walked with Jesus and you're an eyewitness, but we're struggling here. How long is he going to wait? How long will he tarry before Jesus decides to come back? And Peter goes, Wait a minute. A day is like a thousand years, a thousand years like a day. It doesn't feel long to God in this waiting and revelation of when he will say, it's time, it's time. When Jesus returns, it will be the perfect moment. But did you hear what Peter said? God loves people. He doesn't want people to perish and die and be separated in eternity from Jesus. Does that mean everyone is going to believe? No, no. People have a choice. We have this beautiful free will. But I'm asking you, without a doubt, what are you, do what are you doing with your free will? Without a doubt, are you believing that Jesus is coming again? Now, you may say, that's just Peter. Well, let me give you another eyewitness. His name is John. In John chapter 1, verses uh, 2 and 3, the, John, the apostle who walked with Jesus, he's, he wrote, The life appeared. We have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Did you hear what John said? John said, now, hey, everybody. We're telling you what we've seen and heard as eyewitnesses. Without a doubt, you can believe it. Jesus said it, and we're saying it. Don't have any doubts. Believe it, because it will happen. Think about it historically. Anybody still around who saw George Washington as president? I'm not that old. What about Lincoln's assassination? We only know that historically from eyewitness accounts. I don't have any problem believing in things like Washington as president, Lincoln as, as a, a great president who was assassinated. I don't have any issues believing and understanding what my parents have told me about great-grandparents or grandparents I never met. Well, then why should I doubt? Come on now. Why should you doubt that Jesus is coming again? Jesus said it. Peter said it. John said it. All right, let's do another one. You say, well, those are all eyewitnesses. Well, let's talk about an indirect witness. His name, the Apostle Paul. Now, I want to clarify a piece of Scripture that sometimes can be a little bit confusing. We're not reading it this morning, but I want to give it to you as a reference. In 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 8, 
Paul literally said that Jesus appeared to him. But what we know about Paul's transformation is found in the story of Saul becoming Paul and the encounter that he had with Jesus on the Damascus Road. He didn't see Jesus, but he heard a sound. He heard what would others would say is a voice. But I really believe this is why Paul would write that he was one abnormally born. So this is what I'm getting at. I think once Jesus ascended and many people started to believe that Jesus was and is the resurrected Christ, now we have this next generation of believers. In fact, I guess we would call them second generation believers if the first generation are the eyewitnesses. I like to refer them as indirect. They've had this connection. And Paul was passionate. He wrote so many of the letters in the New Testament. Did Saul, who became Paul, did he believe that Jesus would return? Did Paul believe that there would be a judgment and a transformation? Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 50 through 57. Paul writes, I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen! I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the, for the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Did you hear it? I just want to jump up and down. I'm so excited. Did you hear it? Jesus said it. The direct eyewitnesses, Peter, John, they said it. But here's an indirect believer. Here is this incredible, a passionate leader named Paul. And Paul writes, listen, we're not all going to sleep, but we will all be changed if we believe in Christ. What's he indicating? Jesus is coming again. And what's going to happen? A trumpet blast will sound. Judgment will begin. But what does he say? There's no worry or fear if we've given our heart and life to Jesus Christ. Why? Because the sting of death has been removed. And there is an eternity one that is separated from Christ, but one that is in his presence. Oh, wow. Jesus said it. He's coming again. Jesus' followers said it. He's coming again. But what about you and me? When was the last time that you said to someone, he's coming again? 
Let's look at Revelation 22, 6 through 7. I want to give you this last piece, which is a word of prophecy. Now, I'm going to read it, and then I'll give you the backstory. In chapter 22, the angel said to me, and this is John, the angel said to John, these words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God who inspires the prophets, sent his angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place. Look, I am coming soon. These are the words Jesus gave to the angel that the angel gave to John. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy written in this scroll. Have you ever read the book of Revelation? It's kind of beautiful and it's kind of awesome and it's kind of freaky and it's, it's got some wonderful things that seem easy to understand and then there are some things that aren't so easy. I've listened to a lot of pastors over the years interpret uh, Revelation in light of, of uh, prophecies and Daniel and Isaiah and, and Ezekiel and all the way through to the New Testament words of Christ. But I want you to hone in on one truth. Can we do that? The prophecy declares Jesus is coming again. That's what this prophecy says. Now John, this eyewitness we've already referred to, who wrote the Gospel of John, also wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, which think of them as letters. But then the revelation that came from the angel was, was given to him on the island of Patmos because he was exiled. Because of his faith in Jesus, his ministry, Spreading the gospel of truth, he was arrested and he was isolated to the island of Patmos. During this time, Jesus, through the angel, gave to John this incredible book, this letter of what will come in the end. But it's futuristic. It's something that we won't ever really understand how it all fits together until the return of the King of Kings, Jesus Christ. But I don't want you to overlook one very simple but powerful word. It's in the prophecy. And literally, the word one is crucial. Each and every one of us have to decide what we will do with this prophecy. Will we believe that Jesus is coming again? Without a doubt. For ourselves. And if we believe that, will we start living in such a way that our, our lives testify to the fact that Jesus will return? In fact, at home, will you say this with me? In the meantime. Just say it again. In the meantime. We don't just sit around looking at the clouds or listening for a trumpet blast that will rock the foundations of the earth. Instead, we, we need to be prepared in our lives. 
We need to be committed to Jesus Christ. If you have not given your heart and life to Jesus, do it now. Do it today. Reach out to our pastor online and say, Pastor Liz, I without a doubt believe that Jesus is the Christ and he's coming again. You and I have a choice to accept and believe that Jesus is our Savior. But here's what I want to caution you on. Don't mess around too long. Don't wait forever. Because forever is a long time. And Jesus will return. And that's when forever will begin. Without a doubt. Has this series impacted you? Do you believe that there is a God and that Jesus is the Messiah? Have you come to the point in your own life that regardless of your doubts and your struggles, God is opening doors for you to believe that Jesus entered into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, bringing peace, died on a cross for our sins, rose again and left an empty tomb so that death could not be the final blow. And do you believe that Jesus will return? That he is the king of kings. We all doubt. Thomas doubted. All the disciples doubted. Peter, John, they all did. But finally, they realized that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no person, no human being can come to know God the Father without knowing Jesus the Son. And he's coming again. So if you believe that, or you want to believe that, here's what I'm going to ask. Just stand. Just stand right at home. Just stand. Can you do that? Just stand up. And let's pray together. Put your hands out and let's pray. Father God, we believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus Christ is coming again. He said it. Eyewitnesses said it. Indirect eyewitnesses said it. And then there's the prophecy. And that prophecy will be fulfilled. Sometimes, Jesus, it seems like you're waiting so long. And all we can say is, come, Lord Jesus, quickly come. And in the meantime, we will remain faithful. And if there's anyone that's been struggling with doubt and discouragement today, help them to know that there is a Christ, a Messiah named Jesus who's ready to enter our hearts and lives and change us and transform us now and for all eternity. And so we put our faith without a doubt in you, Jesus, and we believe. It's in your name, Christ, we pray. Amen. I love you so much. It's incredible to be able to share this series and to know that without a doubt, Jesus is alive. And until we see each other again, take heart, be transformed, and know he's coming again. Hey friends, thanks for listening. And if you want to be a part of our e-family, then all you have to do to join us is click the link below. And you can check us out on our YouTube page. You can also join us on social media. And if you'd like to support the ministry, then just click the link to give. We're so grateful for all of our partners and together we can do more than we can alone. 
So again, thanks to all of you for listening to this podcast. And also thank you for helping us reach people around the world for Jesus Christ.